And there we go. We are back again for another fantastic episode of Friday Night Counterattack. We're back again. It's Hams and Salim. And we're really here to talk about so much going on in the world of football. Like there's never a dull week in football anyway. Um, there's so much to talk to our listeners about today. So we're really looking forward to talking about Aston Villa. Um, will Steven Gerrard still be in the management position before the World Cup? We need to talk about the Champions League, what happened this week with the likes of Napoli and Club Bruce shocking Europe in terms of getting through so conveniently in, in European football as well, which is great to see. And perhaps Barcelona and AC Milan dropping down into the Europa League, which could be an option as well. And then obviously we need to talk about Kylian Mbappe as well. Where is he going to go? Is he just trying to get some more attention to him? Why does he want to leave a club with Neymar and Messi and winning the league every season? I don't know as well. And obviously we are going to be talking about um, the Premier League games on the weekend and obviously the El Clasico game. So we have a stacked conversation for everyone to be listening to today and I'm really looking forward to spending time talking to Salem about it as well so Salem good to see you again my friend how's your week going and how's the arm do- uh, going just a bit of an update for our listeners as well yeah it's uh it's good to see you too the arms recovering I've got a lot more sort of as you can see range of movement and motion in it compared to how it was before if you can remember I could barely even sort of move it like an inch so I feel like it's going to be three weeks soon since I've got injured so that's so that's so the time has kind of gone. I mean, it's it's been really weird without playing football or going to the gym at all in that time. Um, it it does feel like a lot of my evenings and even my weekends quite empty in that sense. Like I finish work now and I'm thinking like normally like you know as soon as I finish work I'm thinking you know I've got football tonight or all day I think about you know I've got football tonight and I'm going to do this in the gym today and now it's just a case of like you know. It's just like, oh, that's it. Like, I finished work for the day. Now now what do I do? I'll, some days I'll work, like, even a bit later. Because before I'd work a bit late, just so then I can just go straight to football kind of thing. And now it's just like, oh, finish work. What I, I don't know what to do now. I don't know how to occupy my time. Like, I, there's only, like, just... So, yeah, sorry, I've just been playing FIFA 23 more than anything. Basically getting through it just by binging PlayStation as well. Don't worry. That happens with me. I was ill last week, so I was just like binging playstation and just like looking through different ways of how we can look at getting new guests on the podcast as well because like even with me i've started the, i'm starting the gym next week which is really nice for me to say out loud which i'm really happy about i'm going back into football as well consistently which is very good i've recovered from injury properly so i can fully do a lot more sessions now so i'm really looking forward to it and hopefully getting more seven aside games going ten aside games going i'm really looking forward to it and getting back into the swing of things as well so um, yeah, it's going to be a good couple of weeks coming ahead, and obviously with the with the seasons changing, being in mid October as we're recording it now, um, it's the best kind of way to get into football, keeping yourself warm, enjoying yourself, and keeping yourself healthy. So it'll be very good uh, for me in that respect as well. What isn't very good, Salim, is the fact that Aston Villa drew one one to Nottingham Forest earlier this week, and you've got the tough task of dealing with Chelsea at Villa Park this weekend as well. And there's big talks of Steven Gerrard. Once again, like we have said at the start of the season, not living up to expectations without Michael Beale um, next to him as well. There's talks of your owners, I think, coming into the country. Was it uh, Nasef Sawirisi and so, Nasef Sawiris and Wes Edens? Yeah, yeah. There's talk of them coming into the country to be watching the game on Sunday as well. So that could be like a last nail in the coffin. But obviously, Salim, I want to know your thoughts on Aston Villa so far, on your thoughts on Steven Gerrard and. Realistically speaking, is the writing on the wall to see Steven Gerrard kind of getting sacked um, from the Aston Villa job? So, yeah, so from what you said, I've got quite a lot of points, actually, to, to go back. I've got a few good stats as well. Um, 
the the Leeds game away, that's a game that I went to this season and last season as well. And, you know, it was a, a world apart. Last season we went there, we we outplayed them and we won three nil and this year we when it was boring, we were you know, we were playing against ten men for a full half and we were just so uninspiring and slow. You know, but personally I, I really did want it to work out for Gerard and it it's a bit sad that it hasn't in that sense because he came with that reputation and you know with with a really top top class coaching staff and he had achieved good stuff up in up at Rangers but his his days do look numbered. I'm surprised the board haven't pulled the trigger already but it probably means that they're just preparing the next appointment in this time which you know I hope they are doing. In terms of um Mike uh, Michael Beal that's somebody that we did mention um. As, uh, um, with a couple of Rangers fans from their podcast too and how, how they were more devastated about losing him. The thing with him is now he's in the championship you know with QPR he hasn't spent a penny he's just been relying on free transfers and loans and, and they've just gone joint top and that was a QPR team that haven't really been performing that well in the championship. Wow. I've never I've never experienced yeah. that as well as like just not experienced it. I never knew about that and how Michael Beale can just do that straight away from being a head coach. Which is crazy. And, you see. know, he's he's gotten playing like good football, and and the thing is, when Gerard first came through the door, we were playing this good football, this one touch playing out from the back triangles, and and it was, you know, encouraging times. And you can see Michael Beale sort of implemented this in such a short time at QPR, and you could see that this is sort of not this has been drained away from us. Um, and another thing to point out there as well is Tim Irobinum, that's there. He's a young lad from Villa, defensive mid, and he's. He's been top quality there. I think he was man of the match, not in the last game, the game before. So that's been, you know, quite good for his development there too. In terms of um, playing Chelsea this weekend, it's actually it's actually quite interesting because just before lockdown happened, I remember we were meant to play against Chelsea. This was when Dean Smith was in charge, and you know we were sort of you know poor form and looking to go down. And I actually had tickets for this game, um, and I remember like. It being a Saturday game or something and I had my well obviously I had a season ticket anyway so I was looking forward to going but one of my mates had a ticket for that game too and um, I think by Thursday or something the game had been called off but the thing is that if we actually went I mean if that game actually went forward and, and Villa played and lost to Chelsea Dean Smith would probably have lost his job so it's, it's funny how these things come around because with Project Restart Dean Smith was given you know sort of a lot more leniency and leeway and he was able to Get you know regroup and obviously keep us up. You know it was a it was a miracle that season. But if you know that this game could be the one that cost Gerard his job, for me it should have come a couple of weeks back. You know we're just sort of delaying the inevitable. I still I still have full faith in the board and personal that they will do the right thing. And this I don't know people are saying this. Who can you target? But there's there are some names out there. Pochettino's been mentioned a lot just recently. There's been talk of Unai Emery as well, which you know I'm not not too sure about um but yeah to be honest it's, it's just anything we just need a change and we just need to refresh with the squad we've got we should we shouldn't be where we are we should be you know trying to get top six and trying to go for top four as as you know in line with the ambition of the owners yeah exactly because again you've gone through it so well and you've talked about it in so many uh podcasts over the year literally over the 2022 that how gerard has literally just failed in what is tried to deliver at aston villa and Especially as you were one of the manager uh, players who want one of the fans who wanted Dean Smith to stay as a manager at the time, yeah. and Gerard wasn't the right 
one, it's kind of gone to show that everything you were saying has come into fruition if it didn't happen for Jared, and it hasn't happened. With his, what, 71% win ratio at Rangers compared to his 34% win ratio, win ratio at Aston Villa. And I think that's lower than Tim Sherwood's when he was your manager yeah. way back when as well. So it goes to show that you can't rely on a big name these days in terms of as a former player going into management because that was a step too soon. And I think we did mention it um, when we were speaking to Scott from Rangers that it could be a step yeah, too soon. Cool. And they they thought that he was leaving because he thought he was too big for his boots. And when you're kind of looking at Rangers, they got another manager who's taken them into the Champions League. So they've, they're better off without him. And Aston Villa were worse off with him. So it goes to show that Steven Gerrard clearly isn't the top manager he thought he could have been at this moment in time because he's had the money that he's been able to spend. I think it's north of 270 million you've spent um, over the last three or four seasons as well. I'm not sure how much of that yeah, Gerrard's done. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a bit. And, you know, he, he has been backed. That's the thing. But mm. another thing to point out is, you know, it's how I've mentioned about Ten Hag as well and managers like Potter and Arteta, when it comes to trust the process, like, even as a Villa fan, like last season, we did lose some games and we did play really well. Like Man City at home, we lost 2-1, but we were, we were unbelievable that day, playing out from the back with triangles and, you know, sort of trying to play total football kind of thing. But if, if the sign's there, that, that there is some sort of style being implemented and we do get a couple of results, but there are some games that we lose, then there is some sort of positivity and some belief in that trust the process. And and you just know it'll take time and players and then it will click because it's it's not hard. It, I mean, sorry, it's not easy to get a team playing from from zero to a hundred in that sense. But for us, it just looks like we've we've regressed. Like the players, don't, none of them look like they've improved at all. That's the one thing that Dean Smith did really well was that he was a really good man manager and he coached all his players and all all his players improved under him. But for us, it just looks like everyone's sort of gone back into their shell. Players. Like not not looking confident at all, like shadow of their former selves. You know, you've got players like Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins, who well, Danny Ings especially, like clinical striker. Ollie Watkins is Coutinho still like Coutinho, especially as well, looks like a yeah. shell of himself. He had a really good start to the season when he came in in January in the January transfer window, and he just hasn't done anything. And Aston Villa haven't won a game on a Sunday for the last ten games they've had. And you've got Chelsea coming up, which we'll talk about later as well, but. Do you I think... know, and then you've got like you know John McGinn as well. Sorry, I know I've, I've gone on a bit, but no, okay. there's and then the whole situation we've had with captaincy, you know, stripping Tyrone Ming, complete wrong decision. Talk and to me about that as well. Then... Talk to me about how you drew against Nottingham Forest, and he was the only one going over to the fans, and no one else kind of went because that looked a bit kind of sloppy with the kind of performance you put in as well. I was watching the game, I was thinking you yeah. definitely might be happy with this, so I need to get your thoughts on that. But that's the well, thing. So. That's the thing. Like you know, Dean Smith mentioned it in um, in an interview just. I think yesterday, I can't remember who he was with um, on radio, but he mentioned that, you know, at Villa, it was about having the connection with the fans and the fans can help the manager. And, you know, that's one thing. Dean Smith always went over to the, you know, to the fans, the away support and, you know, made the players go and, you know, applaud. And, you know, that's something that Gerard, you know, I don't know why he doesn't do it. Maybe it's an ego problem. You know, no, no matter how much of a sore loser you are, like, you know, myself, I'd, I'd admit to being a sore loser as well. But in that situation, I'd 100% go over to the fans. You know, if it was me, player or manager, so I, I'm not. I'm not sure what what the situation is with that. But I know Tyrone Mings has been coming over and he has been trying to communicate with the fans. And you know, a lot of people are still saying he's still still my captain. Yeah. Nah, well put. And obviously, we'll get onto the Chelsea game later on as well. I want to get your thoughts on it in our Premier League preview coming up later in the podcast. But yeah, um, it has been a good week for some teams in European football as well. I'm really excited to 
watch Champions League this season as well because we have some fresh teams coming out with some fantastic performances. First team that I've really noticed and the second team have been Napoli and Club Rouge. They've already recently qualified for the next round of the Champions League. Uh, going first on Napoli, obviously they've had this superstar Georgian kid come through, uh, Kovica, who people are comparing as like Grealish of Serie A, which I don't really see. I know they wear their, sh- uh, their socks low. I know they're very good at dribbling and holding the ball together, but They've been both fantastic players to kind of watch as well. But this Napoli side as well, losing Koulibaly, losing, um, I think Insigne went in the summer as well. Um, You've got a brand new striker in Raspadori in the team. You've got Ndombele from Spurs, who somehow is having fantastic performances. And two of the signings, uh, two of the best signings I've seen is Zambo and Guiza, who just looks like Yaya Torre, prime Yaya Torre in this Napoli side. And obviously Kovica, the Georgian wonder kid, playing as a left winger going forward as well. And... I'm really happy to see this kind of new wave of Napoli coming forward in the Champions League, dominating Ajax yesterday and dominating Ajax last week as well. So I'm really excited to see what they can do in the Champions League going forward. But realistically speaking, I think another team needs a shout out from me and that's Club Bruges. Club Bruges have been amazing in their group. They may not have had the best of groups that they have, but they they drew against Atletico Madrid. I think they won away last time against Atletico Madrid. They're already top of the group with 10 points drawing one and winning three, which is fantastic to see. And I think it has to be... Sh- I don't really want to shout this guy out, but he's had a fantastic recent performances in the Champions League. And that's Simon Mignolet. He I made knew, some, I knew you were going to say... He I made some it. unbelievable saves, and I can't deny it. I know he used to play for Liverpool, but he made some unbelievable saves yesterday um, in the game, putting his head on the line, putting his neck on the line. Uh, Van Aken is a fantastic player from uh, Club Bruges, who I really enjoyed watching as well. Sowa, we already know about as well, but um, there's so many good players, and I love the fact that I mean, Sowa got sent off the other day, um, when we last saw them, but it, that's got some fantastic players in this team, and I needed to shout them out because Club Bruges are literally trying to change the whole point of uh, Belgian football as well because they've been what 18 time Belgian champions, and for them yeah. to kind of go through in this nil nil against Atletico Madrid, the king of nil nils, literally the kings of nil nils in the Champions League, I love to see it, and they kind of done what they needed to do um, in their own backyard, which is fantastic. So, yeah, I needed to shout out Simon Mignolet for his performance yesterday. I needed to shout out uh, Kovica, the Georgian wonder kid, who I think will have a big career ahead of him going forward. I love the fact that for a lot of people, it's come out of nowhere as well. Fortunately for me, I have some friends in Georgia, which is quite cool. So they were telling me about him for like the last two years. So they were saying, watch out for him. And then they sent me the screenshots of when they said, Remember when he told you about this guy and now he's at Napoli. I'm like, oh my God, he's actually killing it, which is really, really good. But Salem, just before we move on to the next topic, from the Champions League that you've watched recently as well, have there been any teams or any players that have stood up for you and you thought, you know what, they've got a bit about them this season or they've got a point to prove this season? What have you enjoyed the most so far about the Champions League? Ooh, that's a good question. But not I've not been following Bruges that much, but... In terms of Na- Napoli, definitely, because I've, I've been sort of keeping track of Serie A as well and, you know, how far behind Juventus are, for example. And Napoli, top Napoli, of the league in Serie A Yeah, as well, Napoli, crazy. top of the league there. And, you know, they've, they've sort of refreshed their squad. It's not the squad that it used to be, be, be before, you know, with Drys Mertens and, and them guys. So it's it's quite a new look team. Um, and, you know, they're doing a great job there. That The, the Georgian kid you're on about as well, you know, there's all sorts about him on Twitter. Um, I can't pronounce his name to be fair. So you've, you've done a good job 
Don't worry, I just said um, his first name, Kavicha. I spoke about him like a month yeah, ago, I and I was like, enunciation. So I was like, I can't, I can't butcher his name, so I'm going to have to just call him Kavicha from now on. And they call him like, um, Kav- is it Kavicha Donna or something on Twitter? Is that what they call him? Or uh, online? They just compare yeah. him to Mar- Maradona, uh, which is crazy. But, but yeah, so, so, so there's that. And then, you know, I saw Liverpool got massive, you know, wind that they, they really, really needed, um, you know, in terms of their season to get confidence back. But on the other hand, you've got Barcelona, who they just watched the highlights for that game with Inter Milan, and you know they were being sort of banking on their whole future with all this, with sort of Champions League qualification. They're probably going to end up in the Europa League. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. More, it's more down to head to head about, as well. Yeah, yeah, it's down to head to head, and 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 they lost to Inter the first time. But more than anything, in terms of um, teams that have got bits about them, I think the teams that will probably drop out into the Europa League is going to make. This probably the most interesting Europa League there's ever been. It's worrying you say that as well, because I'm just kind of there hoping some of these teams get into the next round of the Champions League. For example, Atletico Madrid. I don't want them dropping mm. down into third place and potentially playing them. I don't really want to see um, Juventus come down into third place as well, because I know that they'll be, even though they've been awful this season, I know Allegri has that that tendency to change things around like he has done in the past for, um, into, uh, for Juventus sorry, as well. So there's there's always that hint that things can change over time because last season as well, Atletico Madrid were playing awful around November, December. They still qualified for the next round. And then when it comes to February, we get outplayed and dominated in both legs of the Champions League. So it goes to show that, like you said, the quality of Champions League teams aren't necessarily the biggest teams anymore. Sometimes it's the smaller teams like we said in Napoli and Club Bruges respectively, as opposed to like the larger global giants of European football, Barcelona, Juventus, it's a new age of European football, Salah, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, next topic we want to talk about, I think we spoke about him a lot last season as well, Kylian Mbappe. Is he, he made his deal, he signed his deal with the devil, he's promoting the Qatar World Cup like it's the last thing he's done. He, I think he had a, a say in who was doing the song as well, but his ego has just blown up in a different way completely. I mean, if he really does want to leave PSG after what we've just seen and how we've really experienced it after what three four months of him in this new contract in this new role with this new coach and this these new signings that he had a say in it it's quite worrying to see how player power has become it's now at an all-time high salary we have to admit it like literally there's no way about it if you're if you're seeing players doing this and saying this and trying to still throw their toys out the pram after everything that's happened for killing mbappe to benefit him going forward I said at the beginning, I thought they, they gave the player too much power. And I was right. Because if he wants to leave, and you're seeing players who actually did do a good shift for uh, PSG, like Angel Di Maria kind of leave as well. I think Paredes left last season as well, who's decent. It's it's quite sad to see how PSG... Well, I couldn't care less about PSG, but it's quite sad to see how, pay, how player power is kind of like this now as well. Salim, what's your thoughts on this? Do you think it's too much power for Mbappe? Do you think there's a way that he can get past it? Or do you think it's just better for everyone if they leave? Um, literally, go, they go on mutual terms different ways. Because I don't see who could actually buy him in January if he were to leave, personally. See, I, I don't understand what, what's what's like truly happening here because apparently what they've said is he was offered a role by PSG and they've not sort of lived up to it. But for a player like himself, the amount of money he's earning, you know, what is it, a million a week or something, euros at PSG, he's playing with Messi and Neymar. I mean... The whole system is, you know, they're going to win the league anyway. Well, actually, Marseille look all right, to be fair. But they've got a really strong chance of winning the league. And, you know, they want to go for that Champions League. So I, I don't understand why 
he just keeps kicking up a fuss. You know, before I used to think he was a better player than Haaland as well. But, you know, after seeing Haaland in the Premier, you could, you could see, I know Haaland's getting paid the big money as well, but you can see that with Haaland, he genuinely, you know, loves the game and, you know, he wants to just score goals. Whereas with, with Mbappe, it seems to be more off the field stuff. Like there's, there's clips of him in games, you know, not trying and not like closing things down. And it's, it's just sad to see, you know, this level of, you know, player power to such a young player who's not, I know you could say he's won the World Cup and stuff, but he's it's not like he's been around for ages. Like when you've got a player like Messi or Ronaldo who were asking for like a million a week and asking for like 10 demands, you can, you know, sort of have an understanding. But, you know, these two players have been dominating for two decades, whereas you've got somebody like Mbappe who hasn't even been around for that long. I agree completely because you're looking at it and you're thinking, I don't know why he's complaining on social media about being in the pivot gang because obviously the attacking positions has got with Neymar and Messi, it's obviously to benefit the team and to help them pivot. Thierry Henry said it recently as well, that the fact that if you're doing this role for a short amount of time to benefit the team, you need to keep your mouth shut. And Mbappe really should have kept his mouth shut because all of this power has gone to his head. And like you said with Haaland as well, he's got the power, but he's using it for good to actually enjoy the game of football, to win his team games, to turn up in the big occasions, which he has done. Kylian Mbappe and Neymar are having a social media warfare, which is crazy to see. Literally two of the biggest names in world football are literally having these kind of um, spats on Twitter. And Neymar's had a really good start to the season as well, mm. which is crazy to see. They're arguing over who takes the penalty. They're arguing, why don't you pass um, to me when... I think yeah. Neymar was through on goal, but Mbappe ended up shooting, but and he missed the target completely when Neymar was literally through on goal to actually win the game properly or win it early or something as well. So... Really sad to see how football is coming to this because it goes to show that people are no longer enjoying it for the love of the game. They're enjoying it for what it can do for them personally and actually how to benefit themselves. But um, last question on Mbappe going forward as well. Where do you think Mbappe can actually move to? Do you think he's actually burnt that Real Madrid bridge already? Do you think there's a team in England that could get him? What do you think about that, Simon? To be honest, uh, for me, it'd, it'd just be great to see if he, if he sort of left and then just like no one signed him. Like if he were just a free agent, because no one wants to sort of pay that money, and they just leave him be, you know, if he wants to be this sort of kid that's got all these demands, but you know, had no idea what's going to happen, probably will end up at Real Madrid. Because even if it's Real Madrid, he could end up being like Benzema's heir when Benzema ends up retiring. So if you've got someone like Rodrigo on the right or Valverde on the right, then you've got Mbappe in the middle, and then Vinicius in the middle as well. Mm. That's just like three quality attackers that you've got going forward, and. There's a lot to kind of go through as well because you're kind of understanding that Kylian Mbappe really wants to develop himself to be one of the best players ever in world football. He's at PSG where he's got some of the best players ever in world football working with him. One of the best coaches in France working with him as well. Why throw your toys out the pram? I don't get it. I really don't get it. He's coming up to a World Cup as well. He's not going to be in the right mood possibly as well. So it's really quite sad to see how it's going and Obviously, there's so much to talk about with the World Cup, which we will be talking about later when the time is right, um, which is pretty good. Speaking of the World Cup, I've done a nice little video series now for everyone on YouTube where I'm basically talking to all of you about how I think there are a good five players in each team under 23s who will be shining stars at the World Cup. So I've done one for England, doing one for Germany, doing one for the Netherlands. A lot of teams to talk about. So if you haven't seen that, um, hopefully it will be out soon, I would say. Um, but yeah. Moving on to the next topic, we have some amazing games coming up, Sal, and there's, there's no ways of kind of beating around the bush. We've got your game, Aston Villa versus Chelsea. We've got my game, Man United versus Newcastle. 
We have Liverpool versus Manchester City. But first, we are going to start in Spain because, as you know, Salim, there is a very big game happening in Spain this weekend. It is going to be El Clasico 2022. What's your first initial thoughts? First thoughts, uh, Clasico isn't what it used to be. I know we pretty much say this every time we mention it, but I think we started the podcast after when the prime El Clasicos happened. We missed it by like a couple of years when Ronaldo left. I know, but you know, honestly, watching the Clasicos back then, it was it was it was just something different when you had Messi on one side. It wasn't just Messi; it was like you know Iniesta and and the rest of them on one side. Then you got Ronaldo, you've got Bale, you've got you know Modric and them are still there, but you know big players like Ramos, Marcelo, and it was it was just so many stars on both sides and you know different playing styles and it it was you know I'd say like one of the one of the better days of of like you know match days that you you get to watch and the analysis beforehand post match even the managers you know getting involved with like you know fights and stuff too but but yeah that's that's obviously finished now and there's a there's a new era and. It's not that bad because you could. There, there are still quite a lot of sides, stars on both sides. Sorry, and you've got big players like Benzema. You've got Lewandowski. And then you've got players that even get in the team like Frankie, who obviously just announced that he's sad and wants to leave. But took yeah, him long enough always... to realize that he got bullied yesterday when he came on as a sub um, against Inter Milan. Sorry, continue with what you were saying. Yeah, no, no, I was just saying that it's, it's always a game that I look forward to, and you know, pretty much so many FIFA games used to just be straight Real Madrid and Barca before too. Those were the days, man. Those were the days. Um, but yeah, going forward into this game as well, we've got literally Real Madrid and Barcelona level one points. They're level one, uh, seven wins, one draw, 22 points each as well. Um, it's going to be a fantastic game, especially after Barcelona drawing at the new Camp against Inter Milan. And I think Real Madrid drawing as well against Shakhtar Donetsk. None of them coming into the best of forms in the last game, but obviously the league form is something different completely. So, they're looking ready for it as well, which would be quite good. Real Madrid have won five of their last six games against Barcelona in all competitions as well. So it goes to show that they are one of the better ones at the same time. They're both undefeated this season. There's going to be a lot to kind of talk about. But Salim, I wanted to kind of share with you some of my kind of matchups that I'm looking forward to in this game as well. So first of all, we have to talk about the midfield. We have to talk about how Pedri is going to be starting in this game for Xavi uh, and the Barcelona side. And I want to see how he kind of does against Chumeni. I think Pedri versus Chumeni will be a key battle in that midfield. Chumeni in his first season for Real Madrid in his first El Clasico, how does he deal with the pressure? How does he deal with uh, this wonder kid that we've got on the other side as well? Two wonder kids kind of clashing against one another as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes um, in that in that game going forward. Another big talk of point, I wonder how they're going to set up at right back for Barcelona against Vinicius Junior. Do they go for Sergi Roberto? Um, do they go for Araujo? I don't know if they was he was on that play previously as well, but there's a lot of plays that you can put a right back. But I think Vinicius Junior will have a big say in this game as well, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in this right back position against his right back, whoever it will be, um, in the right back position as well. And the final kind of battle for me, who I'm really looking forward to seeing, I don't know if he's actually going to be playing, but if you're going to see someone like Robert Lewandowski playing against someone like uh, Eder Militao. That's going to be a good game because I think uh, Militao, he was on the bench against Shakhtar Donetsk. So seeing how Lewandowski does in his big game in his first El Clasico, Benzema hopefully I think he's recovered uh, from the game against Shakhtar as well. I know Rudiger had the injury, but Benzema versus Lewandowski. Salem, out of Benzema and Lewandowski, 
who do you think's had the better career for you? Ooh, that's a tough one, but for me, Benzema. Benzema. Why Benzema? I just feel like, no disrespect to the Bundesliga, but I'd say it's been harder for Benzema in the in La Liga. I feel like, you have to remember, we mentioned it last time, he's been quite overshadowed by Ronaldo and Bale. But he, don't, he, don't, he was always a quality player and he always racked up good goals and assists as well as, you know, decent key passes and other numbers. Alongside that, you know, being dropped out of the French squad for obviously personal reasons, coming back into the into the French squad and performing quite well. But yeah, for me, I, I feel I just feel like Benzema's sort of you know just achieved more than Lewandowski had, especially that that last Champions League where Real Madrid were pretty much underdogs in every 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 tie. You know, never hear that, and and they were and they were really bad. You know, in pretty much every knockout round. Uh, most games they were always trailing and needing that resilience and you know that it's, it's a lot harder to play when you're behind you know there were times they were behind two goals and like Man City for example you know they were behind two goals Chelsea they were behind a couple of goals was it three goals so you know when even when you're like a goal down and everything's going against you that's that's when it's the hardest you know in my opinion that's when it's the hardest to play football and that's where you, you need like Real leaders, and 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 that's where I place Benzema. If if I was in that situation and I needed a player to step up, it'd be him that would you know come to the come to the fore. Not saying that Lewandowski can't do it. You know he proved it the other night against Inter Milan. But for me, it was it was just that last Champions League. It was pretty much Benzema single handedly like dragging Real Madrid to it. Benzema definitely is a special player, and he will go down in history as one of the most special players in Real Madrid's history, and probably even European football's history as well, which is amazing to really see and get to get to appreciate which is fantastic as well uh, a couple of key stats as well between Lewandowski and Benzema Lewandowski's got 523 goals to his name 137 assists uh, Karen Benzema with 393 goals and 187 assists as well so like you said as well when he was that secondary attacker with Ronaldo and with Bale up front he was putting in the dirty work to actually do the assists and make these um, off the ball runs as well which I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does in this game against Barcelona as well because their defence hasn't been the best with the injuries that they've had as well um, Benzema against um, some teams now he plays a lot more withdrawn than he used to he used to be against the defender all the time but now he's staying withdrawn so he can wait for a last minute cross or a in-swing a ball in which is fantastic to see and I'm really looking forward to this game as well on Sunday it's going to be great and this is where our audience get, has had a fun time to play with us on Instagram as well. So we've always been doing our six asides of the weekend when there's a big game. And obviously this weekend is the El Clasico. So Salem and I are going to share our all-time El Clasico six aside. But the new rule from this season is you can't pick the same player as the other player as well. So for oh, example, no. if you were to pick one player, I can't pick the other player as well. So we've got to think on our feet and we've got to be a bit, um, a bit uh, witty with this as well. But you get first pick. There's no order who you can pick it. It's just a five aside for your favourite all-time El Clasico list. Well, it's going to be Messi. If you pick Messi, I have to go the other way and go for Ronaldo. So you've got Messi and Ronaldo up front. Um, we got. We don't have to say, say anything else about Messi and Ronaldo. There's the two greatest modern wait, so, wait, wait, time. So, Sorry, it's, it's a confirmed team. Uh, sorry, combined team, isn't it? Combined team. So you oh, can that's pick, fine. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Yeah, you've got, you've got whoever fine. you want, which is cool. So yeah, I've got... Ronaldo, you've got Messi. Who have you got next? I've got Sergio Ramos. And a fun fact is Ramos and Messi are tied for most appearances. In what? In the Classico. Seriously? 
So they've played all that time and they're both at PSG now. That's mad. I didn't know that, Salim. Mm-hmm. That's, that's quite good. Okay, you're going from the back from Sergio Ramos. If I have to go from the back, um, I'm going to have to go for Dani Alves. I think Dani Alves, what a warrior, what a winner of a player he is. And if I need a defender who's going to back up um, me in a five-a-side, it's got to be Dani Alves. So Dani Alves and Sergio Ramos were our second picks. Salim, who are you going for your third pick? Um, Iniesta. Okay, so you, you, I think you're winning this. Fudge, fudge sake. Um, if you're going for Iniesta, I'm gonna have to go for. Eh, do I go for him? I have to go for Luka Modric. Like, come on! If I don't pick Modric, then you pick Modric and Iniesta. It's the game over as well. So, I've got Modric in my team. You've got Iniesta in your team as well. And who have you got as your fourth pick? Oh, you—you uh, you know, you, you might as well have the next three picks. Okay, so if I go for my next pick, I'm gonna go for. I'm still gonna go for a midfielder, so it's still working my way from the back. How can how can I not pick this player? I have to go for Zidane. Zidane. Uh, I was gonna go for him actually, but yeah, if you've gone Zidane, mm. that's a tough one. But I go for Ronaldinho. I wasn't going to pick Ronaldinho because I just didn't think of him. But yeah, Ronaldinho is a guy that you've got with Lionel Messi. But, which is... but you have to put him up there in terms of having the Real fans stand up and applaud him. I think that's one of the greatest moments in football history. If anyone hasn't seen this and they're listening to our podcast now, Ronaldinho, to a man, got every man in the burnabout to stand up and applaud him for one of the most amazing performances in, on the biggest stages of, of, of all time. And he did it, and he walked off the pitch, and the Real Madrid fans couldn't hate on him because it was Ronaldinho. And I've not seen anyone really do that in an El Clasico before because the hatred is still there, which is insane. It's absolutely insane. And yeah, what a shout by picking Ronaldinho. It literally didn't come to my mind at all. Um, if you're going for Ronaldinho, that's our fourth pick each, isn't it? Yes. So I've got two more. Do I go for... I go for Luis Vigo. I have to go for Luis Vigo. Because again, he's played for both Real Madrid and Barcelona. And if you have seen that documentary, Salim, have you seen it yet on Netflix? No, I need to watch that. If, you, if you've if got time, go ahead and watch it because it's an absolute joy learning about the whole situation of Ronald, uh, Luis Vigo moving from Barcelona where he was the best player and best friends with Pep Guardiola as well, moving to Real Madrid all because of politics and money. And it's quite fascinating to see how the story actually goes and what it's like in real life as well. And all the people involved in it as well. And Pep Guardiola was involved in it as well. So that's a crazy little stat for you there going forward. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's who we've got at the moment. Who's your fifth pick, Salem? So I'll let you have the fifth pick and I'll have the sixth pick. Ooh, um, there's, there's so many players to name. That's the problem. Like, yeah, just, it's, it's more I, who do you leave out? It's not who do you pick because there's so much that you want to pick. I mean... I, I feel like I have to get, you know, there's there's players like in my head, like you've got R9, you've got Suarez, you've got Neymar, you've got Xavi, who's still not, you know, been in there. Um, you've got, you've got Rivaldo. Roberto Carlos. Carlos, you've got Lineker. You know, he, was, he wasn't too bad either. Did you say Suarez as well, right? Suarez was another one that was there, but mm. even, you know, even Samuel Eto'o as well. So yeah, you got like sort of the Sierra more like 
on reason of yeah, I'll go I'll go on re actually. Actually, no, no, I'll go Cruyff. I'll go Johan Cruyff. Cruyff. What a guy. Okay, if you're going for Johan Cruyff, I need to bring some I need to bring a legend into this as well. Actually, no. I'm gonna go... They've all been legends so they're far, all they're so... all legends. You've got the one of the better legends in your team. You've got Ronaldinho, you've got Cruyff, and you've got Messi. If I've got Ronaldo, I'm gonna have to pick. Yeah, I've got I've got Ronaldo, I've got Figo, I've got Modric, I've got Danny Alves. I'm gonna have to go for do I go for Samuel Eto? He was he is a legend, wasn't he? You know what? I'll 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 go for him. I don't I don't normally pick him in my teams, but I'm gonna go for Neymar. I have to pick Neymar in my team. So I think, Danny I think, Alves, I've you got know, there's so many like honorable mentions as well. You know, you've got Puyol, you know, he deserves PK PK, you know, you got Casillas, you've got Xavi, who's not even in it. We've got you've one got... pick each as well, so there's so many we can go through. That's crazy. I'm trying to think. You you said so who have you said, just to remind us, you said um Sergio Ramos, you said Iniesta, you said Johan Kreuz, you've said Lionel Messi, you said Ronaldinho. Yeah. So you've basically got football heritage on your side. Football heritage, that's the one, yeah. You've got the football heritage one, which is insane. Um, go on, last pick for me. If I've got a pick of someone and I don't want to leave anyone out, I think I'll go safe and I'll go for Karen Benzema. Let's throw him in there. I need Karen Benzema mm-hmm. in my team. And there's so many players that I've got out of the team that I want to throw in. Like you said, Tony Cruz, David Beckham was fantastic as well. We've said Zidane. Um, I've said Zidane, haven't I? I've said Zidane. Mm. Yeah, I've said yeah, Zidane. Yeah. Um, Roberto Carlos, like we said as well. But if you've got Danny Alves at the back, then you've got Zidane, then you've got... Did I say Luka Modric? Let's go for it again. Yeah, you, you've got you've got Modric. So I've got Danny Alves, I've got Modric, I've got Zidane, I've got Benzema, I've got Neymar, and I've got Ronaldo. You know what? Let me take out Neymar because I'm not a Neymar fan. I can't lie, I'm not a Neymar fan. If I have to take someone out for Neymar, I have to put in... You've said Iniesta, haven't you? Yeah, I, he, yeah I've got Iniesta. Did you say Figo? Or did I say Figo? You said Figo. Let's do it again. Dani Alves, Modric, Zidane, Figo, Ronaldo, Benzema. Benzema That's my six. Yeah. That's my six. So it's rather Figo or Neymar, but I'll pick Luis Figo. That's I could, fine. I wanted to pick David Beckham, but it is what it is. Um, Your team, do you remember who you've got in your team? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Read it out for us. So I've got I've got mess in order of pick or just any just from back to front. Yeah, so Sergio Ramos, Iniesta, Messi, um, Ronaldinho, Cruyff, Cruyff, yeah. And then this is your last pick. Have I got one left? I think that's your last one for a six aside. Um. You said Iniesta, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I've got Iniesta. Iniesta, Ronaldinho, Messi, Cruyff, Ramos, Sergio Ramos, Ramos, um, Iniesta, Messi, Cruyff, Ronaldinho. That's definitely five. We just need one more. Yeah, one more. Um, I'm not Raul, sure, to be honest. Ronaldo. Um, so Henri. Oh no. Oh yeah, I'll go. I'll go with them. Um, I'll go with Henri actually. Henri, 
Well, this is going to be. No, I'll go with, actually, no, I'll go with, with um, Casillas. Actually, I need, I'd like a keeper in it. Casillas, that that whole debacle last last week as well. Was yeah, odd. Odd. That was so odd. So so. Probably odd. best not to mention that part. But yeah, we'll no, move on from it. There, there were better moments in the El Clasico. But yeah, everyone listening, hopefully you'll be able to join us on Sunday when we do this whole six aside thing as well. We'll share our teams on social media, which will be fantastic and. I'm really looking forward to the game. It should be good. And last prediction from you, Salem. Who's going to win? Barcelona or Real Madrid? I, I'll just say one thing before we get there. Um, I've, I've, I've got so many amazing El Clasico moments. Maybe we can talk about this another time. But my favourite moment is... um is Well, w- w- one of my favourite moments is when Messi scores a winner in like the 95th minute and, you know, holds his shirt up um, to hold up, but he just literally holds it up like that. It was 2017, I think that game was incredible. That was amazing. You know, that that game had everything in it. The pendulums, you know, swung side to side. You've got Messi, you've got Ronaldo, and you know, and probably the best part is you've got Ray Hudson. You know, (laughs) if if you ever heard him commentating, especially when he's commentating at Classico, he's he's amazing with his metaphors and similes and the stuff he comes out with. So I I think if if you watch that, just watch that on YouTube, that's something you know definitely that is one of my one of the best like moments I've ever seen like I, the thing is with that game I remember watching it on TV as well it's not so much because sometimes I'll, I'll miss certain games you know for whatever reason and I'll just watch the highlights but with with this game you know watching it live and you know seeing all the things unfold you know just you know in front of me you know there was Messi got elbowed you know he was bleeding and then there was a red card that that went in and uh, it went down to 10 men for Real um it was 2-2 and then, you know, the ball was like literally next to the corner flag in, in Barca's half and they got all the way up the pitch and it was just the perfect setup. and, you know, Messi arriving late, putting it in the bottom corner. It was, you know, like nothing you'd seen before and the celebration to go with it. It was a movie, basically, that game as well, which was mm-hmm. crazy to see. Um, but one of my favourite moments in El Clasico was watching the game with my family in 2011, the semi-final of the Champions League, where you're watching Jose Mourinho's Real Madrid against Pep Guardiola's Barcelona. So you've got the two best managers in the world at the time, barring Sir Alex Ferguson, if you want to count him at the time, literally going hammer and tongs. And Sergio Busquets lays the ball to Lionel Messi. And like you said with the commentary, the ITV commentary, when Lionel Messi's running through on goal, and it's just going wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And we're all just there as a family saying, no, no way, no way, no way, no way. And he does it. So it's like, yes, way he does it. And he scores one of the best goals ever, in my opinion, at the Bernabeu. And you're just kind of there, like his silence in the whole crowd, which is unbelievable. Mm. What an amazing goal that was. And what an amazing player Lionel Messi is. And hopefully, Salim, you and I will get the chance to see him this season as well. That's the aim for Friday Night Counter-Attack, isn't it? So hopefully you get to watch a PSG game with Lionel Messi. Unless you want to go to Barcelona and watch him in the Europa League. The choice is yours, Salim. Um, (laughs) But no, what else are going to be safe? One more memory from me personally is kind of just really getting to enjoy them in 2012 as well. So 2012, I think Ronaldo scored away um, from them as well. It was, it was a really fantastic goal to kind of see. No, no, it wasn't 2012, was it? 2014, Gareth Bale in the Copa del Rey running on the outside. I could have put, oh, yeah. put Gareth Bale for my side. I could have been quite biased there, but no. Nah. Uh, Gareth Bale running on the outside of the pitch plus... Um, Barter coming back inside and scoring that amazing goal to win the Copa del Rey. That was another fantastic memory for me. 
um, for Real Madrid versus Barcelona. And you have to remember, he ran so far wide off the pitch. It wasn't even like it was. he was adjacent to the touchline. He was quite far in and still made up the ground. Absolutely. He definitely did. Have you got any more memories or a favourite goal from El Clasico before we move on, Sam? Because like you said, this could be a whole other conversation entirely. Yeah, I think I think it's best leaving this for like another day because there's been so many amazing Clasicos and moments, especially with, you know, two of the best players, you know, of our generation, probably two of the best players ever in, in Ronaldo and Messi. Mm. Definitely, so, yeah. definitely could be time for another part of a podcast going forward as well, which would be very good. But yeah, finally, for everyone listening, thank you if you've stayed with us this far. We are going to be talking about three games in the Premier League coming up this weekend. We're obviously talking about Salem's beloved Aston Villa against Chelsea, my beloved Manchester United versus Newcastle, and the biggest game of the season so far in Liverpool versus Manchester City. Start with you, Salem, Aston Villa versus Chelsea. How do you see this game going with Steven Gerrard as your new... Um, well, no, it's not your new anything, but he could be on his last legs basically against the new manager, Graham Potter for Chelsea. That's what I meant to say. So, how do you kind of see it going forward? Do you think there's going to be a way that you can actually get a result against this high flying Chelsea team, or is there a way that you think, you know what, I think uh, the writing's on the wall for Steven Gerrard once again? See, now this is the thing that disappoints me actually with the whole Gerrard era. I mean, when, when Michael Beale was at the star, I remember like the Man City game, that's the one I keep mentioning for Man City at home, the football replayed to a high-flying team, you know, that came, we showed them no fear and we should have got a point that day. But now what's probably going to happen is we're just going to sit back in a 4-5-1 and just hope, just sort of soak up as much pressure as we can and hope to just, you know, clean something on the break. And then um, the thing is, I don't even think we'd be good enough defensively to handle Chelsea um, as it is. So, yeah. But then again, th- this would be like the most Villa thing ever for us to sort of get like a draw or get like a win or something just to give Gerard like another three games. But I think realistically, I, I feel like Chelsea is going to, you know, I've, I've lost so much hope in the team and I just feel like Chelsea's just going to, like, you know, we're going to play awful and Chelsea just going to beat us like 3 0. Chelsea have had this new found manager bounce as always when they get a new manager with Graham Potter and uh, Mason Mount and Pierre Emerick or Bamiang look revitalized under this new system with uh, Graham Potter as well. But is there a way you feel like you can penetrate this defence? Because obviously with the way that they're playing now as well, with the team that they've got set up as well, do you see any weakness in this Chelsea side that you think Aston Villa can actually exploit? Well, I feel, I feel definitely that we've got the players to hurt them. I, I feel like we've got the players to hurt any team in this league. Um, you know, I've said that from the start, you know, players like Buendia, Coutinho, Bailey, Ings, Watkins, and, you know, the list goes on. Like, there's a lot of underrated players in there as well, like Sanson. And um, obviously Jacob Ramsey, you've seen the stuff that he's doing. But yeah, no, I feel like I feel like under a different manager, you know, a fresh approach, we we would be able to go out there and hurt them. But I genuinely can't see us creating anything re- worthwhile tomorrow. The XG is probably going to be below one, and it's just looking like an easy Chelsea win. Unfortunately for you, um, but no, thank you for your honesty. Now we're moving on to Manchester United versus Newcastle, who. Again, in lifted spirits with Eddie Howe. So they are doing pretty well, as we've seen um, this season as well. Alexander Isaac being a fantastic signing. Callum Wilson back in the form of his life, as we like to see. Bruno Guimaraes, who we predicted back in January when he signed, being a good midfielder, but not just a good midfielder, a great midfielder. He looks like he's settled in this new side in uh, Newcastle as well. Joe Willock's had a fantastic um, development so far at Newcastle. It's quite a wary wary time to be a Man United fan playing against this Newcastle side. I know we're playing at home. We normally do beat them at home as well. So it's normally one of those bankable ones where we only draw against them as the worst case scenario. But 
realistically speaking, this Newcastle side is out there to hurt us. And I really believe that Manchester United, with this Europa League game tonight as well, hopefully if we get the result within 60 minutes done, we can sub off some of our players, move forward and carry on for Sunday. But kind of key matchups I'm looking forward to watching as well. Bruno Fernandes versus Bruno Bruno Guimaraes as well in that midfield. That's going to be fantastic to see who comes out the winner in that because we predicted a couple of weeks ago uh, Rodri versus Bruno Fernandes. And guess what? Rodri didn't play. It was Gundogan as a number six and he dominated Bruno Fernandes in that game. He was she shied away from it. Callum Wilson versus Lisandro Martinez will be a big one um, going forward as well. And someone who I want to shout out as well, Miguel Almiron as a right winger yeah. for Newcastle. He's had a very good season so far. He's turned up in a lot of the games. He's scored, has assisted, his press from the front. I want to see how he does against Luke Shaw or Tyrone Melassia, one of our left-backs that will be playing as well. Does he get the best of them? Is there a way that we can actually stop them from going on this attack as well? Because there's so much I want to talk about with Newcastle United, which you can leave for another podcast, because they've re- redeveloped themselves so, so well, which is really nice to see. And if anyone's out there listening who's a Newcastle fan, We'd like to get you on, actually. We'd like to hear a bit more about you from a fan's perspective on how you've revitalised from having players like Dummett in your team and having like Emil Kraft being your first choice right back to having the likes of Kieran Trippier and Bruno Gomez as your midfield, your main midfield, which is really good to see. But I still think Man United will win. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Man United win, but I think it will be a very tricky game against this Eddie Howe side um, out of Trafford. Right, Salem, let's finish off the podcast with a bang. Liverpool versus Manchester City. What's your initial thoughts? Man City. Haaland. That, that's the initial thoughts. Haaland versus but, you Van know, like, mm, The thing is, that people forget that Tyrone Mings did, did an amazing job against Haaland. And um, even the goal he scored, you'd say, was sort of slight, like key mistake from Emmy more than anything. But, you know, Van Dijk is one of the best there. I think Trent, obviously... Well publicized, he has been struggling, and you know Man City is a team that can hurt you from sort of anywhere. You know, even if you're attacking, they can hurt you. That's how good they are, you know, in in the transitions. But no, it's, I just you know, I, I I I the thing is, I really do want there to be a title race, and I'm quite happy Arsenal are there, sort of providing some sort of you know chase and competition just, to Man City. You're slightly getting it with Arsenal. For me, you're for, slightly for Liverpool, getting it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, with even Spurs, you know, there's, there's a chance that they're going to be there or thereabouts. But with Liverpool, I, I just don't know. I just feel like this season looks right enough for them, Premier League-wise, because you've seen how tight the margins are. But for them, it, it might be more important. They might be able to just focus on the Cups. The Champions League is still there and obviously well and truly winnable for them. Yeah, absolutely. And with Liverpool as well, with the injuries they've had, they look better without Trent Alexander-Arnold in the team yesterday against Rangers. I mean, Joe Gomez at right-back, Kanate centre-back, so there's no Joel Matip either. Their midfield is looking quite scarce as well. We won't comment on the Jordan Henderson thing because we don't actually know what's happened yet, so we're not going to chat nonsense because we don't do that at all. But realistically speaking, like you said, Man City should have too much strength and too much power for this Liverpool side. We've seen them against Copenhagen rest Erling Haaland and, and probably should have won that game, in my opinion. That missed penalty from Mares was abysmal. He should literally just be off penalty duties from now on. He's missed quite a few key ones as well. But I think it's going to be a good game for Phil Foden. I'd like to see how he does against Joe Gomez if he plays from the left-hand side. But realistically speaking, Salim, as we do have to end this podcast, I want to end it with your thoughts on Jack Grealish because we've talked a lot about him when he was in a Villa shirt, not so much as a Man City player. 
We are seeing second season Grealish and a lot of these Man City players, as we've said before, do very well in the second season after learning the system from Pep Guardiola. Do you think his kind of establishing himself now as a better first team player for Manchester City under this system with Pep Guardiola or do you think there's still some time that he has to bed into in this new role? Well, first thing I'd say is Almiron's been amazing since the disrespectful comments that Jack made about him. But in terms <laughs> That's, of, true. Um, That's so true. In terms of going forward in this Pep system, I know he has been having a couple of decent games. Uh, he was man of the match in, in the last um, Champions League game week, not this one, the last one. But again, he didn't register goal or assist. Um, you know, his GNA is you know, virtually not there. When, when people talk about Villa Grealish, prime Villa Grealish, his numbers were up there with De Bruyne's. I know there were different types of players, but he, he was so effective for us. And for me, like people are saying, yeah, he's had a good game or he's had a few good games. At the end of the day, he's a £100 million player. You know, he's, he's earning big money. He's cost big money. And having, you know, a decent game isn't, you know, isn't really good enough for a player of that, of you know, of that worth and, you know, paying that much money. It, it needs to be, you know, more consistent from him. He needs to deliver better numbers. He needs to recreate, you know, the form that he showed for us. But again, it's, it's a different system. He doesn't play that way. And, you know, no matter how much you coach a player, there's only so much you can coach them. And, he isn't that type of Pep Guardiola system player. He's more of a creative, like freedom player, which there can be in the Pep system, but he isn't the one with that freedom. It, you know, like when you saw Messi playing in that free, you know, that freedom for Pep, or you've got De Bruyne with that freedom for Pep, it's, it's not Grealish. And, you know, a lot of the time he just gets the ball and passes it, you know, back to his left back or just recycles it back in. He has been taking a couple more risks this season and carrying the ball a bit more. But yeah, for me, I, I still I still don't think he's hit. You know, he's still early. We, we should still give him time. But, you know, at the end of the season, if he's still not delivering Man City, you know, got a decision to make because how, how can you spend that sort of money and not get any, you know, sort of return for that worth? Yeah, well put and well analysed as well. Obviously, the difference between Villa's Grealish and Man City Grealish as well. Like, I think people are still happy to see him kind of get back to a certain amount of form, but Obviously, he's still not bringing in the numbers like he did at Aston Villa originally, which brought him that whole. You have to remember as well, as well. If you just remember quickly, but in that Euros, uh, Euro twenty or in twenty one, mm. it was you, there was a point where it was just the the whole country were just begging Southgate to start him, like it was unthinkable, Grealish not to play, and he was you know every time he came on that pitch, he created something and he made space and. He's one of our best players in that Euro. So it just shows how far he's fallen from that to like now. And people are saying, oh, what's your start in the 11th of the World Cup? And he's nowhere near it. You know, he doesn't even, shouldn't even be in the squad, really. Yeah. And they're on reputation, which is unfortunate for him. But no, like you said, it's well put. And maybe there's some way for Gre- uh, Grealish to come back into this prime Grealish that we've seen previously as well, not just being an assistant player for Pep Guardiola. Um, but yeah, that wraps up the podcast today. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. Salem, do you have any update on when you're kind of getting back into training? So, like, I know you're still injured, but are you getting into training anytime um, soon? Are you going to get back into any kind of fitness routine? What's the What's the update? Well, I've I've got physio, so I get uh, private healthcare. So physio should be sort of starting. I think I'm starting physiotherapy from next week, and I feel like I need five sessions. So it'll probably be another five weeks. But yeah, I feel like in terms of getting back to football, I've got a doctor's appointment next week and they're going to assess 
you know the progress they say I've made quite good progress actually with you know the, the amount of the pain sort of has gone down I don't take painkillers anymore and I've got you know quite sort of decent movement as you can probably see I mean you can't hear but you can probably see brilliant uh so I don't know like in my head I've, I don't want to like pencil dates in and stuff like that but you know as much as I don't want to do that I really want to play football and I really just want to go to the gym I've been told it's quite an unlucky injury to have for a football player because it's a pure rugby injury. injury um so I don't know I, I feel like I'm trying to pencil in like mid to end November as like a really optimistic date but if we're talking like you know proper full like complete recovery and if things you know took longer and if if, if my body wasn't sort of healing as well as it has been and and you know so on it'd probably be end of this de- end of December so sort of new year and I wouldn't touch a ball again in 22 but I, no, I'm, I'm really confident I'm really optimistic you know I've been keeping spirits high as you can imagine it's quite hard without football mm-hmm. but yeah I, 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 I genuinely believe I'll be able to play football in November that's that's the aim you know if you know, like, um, like, you know, amazing news would be end of October, but you know, that's a bit too optimistic. But I'm thinking November. November's a good time frame to put. November would be good, and obviously at the end of October as well, we've got our award ceremonies at the British Asian Media Awards. So we'll be there in our in our black ties and our black suit event as well, and you'll still have your black arm wrist thing as well which will be well, it might be gone by then but let's find hopefully. out hopefully let's, let's see how it goes i'm looking forward to it it's only two weeks away can you imagine two weeks away to our first award ceremony salad look how well we've done yeah honestly I, I can't i can't believe it i've got like um, a family wedding that week as well uh, on mm. the thursday friday saturday sunday but for, for this night i'm just going to come to manchester for this event and if, if we win we'll go out celebrating for dinner wilmsway road Got to, got to be done. Needs to be done. Um, yeah, but yeah, something like, that. something like that. We'll see how it goes. But it's going to be a good night regardless. But yeah, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for supporting us as well. Go follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter. Salem's our new admin, which I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with it. And on TikTok as well, all up Friday Night Counterattack. Um, if you do like any of our videos, do share them with people. We'd love to see how we're growing so far. Um, if you do have any ideas for us or want to contribute to the podcast, do let us know as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts and we'll see you next week. Take care and goodbye.